Hi, this is Day for Night with Caridad Switch, a series that looks at the intersection between theater and poetry and the edgelands in the wilderness. Continuing in the process of my archival work, uh, uh, today I'm going to look at a play of mine that I really, really love um, that never got its due. It just never did. Uh, huge, massive heartbreak for me, uh, this play. Uh, it's a play called Particle Kiss, a uh, play with songs. Um, I consider it uh, one of my best plays uh, in my body of work. Um, it's inspired by, but not based on, just inspired by images and themes, etc. The poetry collection by Federico Garcia Lorca, a poet in New York. The play is not about New York. Uh, it, it is actually about a a young woman who is a balsera, a, a rafter, uh, fleeing uh, Cuba uh, to reach the United States, and it sort of charts her journey throughout the U.S. She meets different migrants um, and kind of encounters the, uh, how to put it, the corruption, um, the lie <laughs> of the so-called American dream. Uh, it's a poetic play. It's a symbolic play. Um, it has great parts for actors, um, and it had a lot of uh, development. Um, I originally wrote it actually as a project, as a fellowship project, uh, when I was a resident artist on fellowship, I should say, uh, at the Mark Taper, Mark Taper Forum Theater in Los Angeles. Uh, Mark Taper Forum Theater is part of Center Theater Group, um, a big, big regional theater, one of the big regional theaters in the United States. Um, and in, the, in 1998, uh, yeah, I think it was 98, yeah, 98, 99, um, I I was working on this play there. I wrote a lot of plays when I was in that building, <laughs> actually. Um, none of them were produced there. I had a couple of workshops. Uh, I did have a workshop of this play uh, there. And then I, this play had a workshop at the Playwright Center of Minneapolis in a really great workshop, really terrific. And then, uh, and then kind of nothing happened with it. <laughs> like, literally there was all this attention, buzz, uh, tears, uh, people loving it, applauding, you know, all these things that happened in workshop atmospheres. And then the play kind of just, I kept sending it out to theaters. Uh, a lot of liter incredibly warm and sensitive literary managers were fond of the play and try to kind of keep showing it to their artistic directors. And it just never got picked up for production. Um, 
It was eventually done kind of as a workshop, sort of workshop production with no, like with no set, like literally, um, you know, bare bones as part of the Key West Theater Festival, which I'm not sure if any, that even exists anymore. But anyway, it was called the Key West Theater Festival. And um, they would do like very, very, very short runs, you know, two or three nights, four nights, I think at most. Um, and yeah, and that's where it did it. And that was the last time, the first to last time it was done. Um, and it's never been done since. What is ironic about this play um, is that a, a lot of scholars have written about it. it, it it's featured in um, Anne Garcia Romero's book. Uh, she has a chapter on my work and beautiful chapter. And her book is called The Fornes Frame. And she has, in this chapter, she talks a lot about Protobokis. Um, there's another scholar that's written about it in some other book. And, you know, it just, I keep finding references to it by different scholars and chapters. And in, uh, to me, you know, first of all, I'm incredibly grateful that it, that anybody even read it um, and discovered it. But, um, but it's also ironic because I feel like, oh, I just want to see it on stage. <laughs> So, so this play is like uh, massively heartbreaking for me. Um, but I, what I will, what I'll do is I'll read a little bit from it. But I'm going to start with actually an introduction that I wrote for it. Uh, sort of talking a little bit about its genesis. Uh, so here's part of the here's the introduction, uh, which would be for a reader, not for the audience. Migration has always been a central motif in my work. Characters are always leaving one place and finding themselves in another. Destinations are waylaid and bodies are reborn in new landscapes. Prodigal Kiss is my way of looking at the U.S. as if I was born elsewhere. It tracks places that are a strong part of my personal nomadic history, but also lifts those places into an imaginative realm, which is purely speculative. This is a story of a pilgrimage, and as such, it offers a spiritual journey into the heart of a young woman who must find a new emotional identity for herself in a new country, but it must also come to terms with an identity she wished to leave behind. Cuba and the U.S. provide the central dynamic for the play's mythos. The island meets the continent. Spanish and English mix and merge as different characters from the Americas cut their own linguistic paths in an effort to survive. Marcela, the woman at the center of this play, is in transit. Part of her is in Cuba, part of her is in the U.S. The play is an exploration of the split in her soul. I'll just read a little bit of the development stuff. Although I talked a little bit about it, I'll sort of say it again. Prodigal Kiss was initially developed with support from the NEA TCG Playwriting Residency Program at the Mark Tate Performing Theater in Los Angeles. In progress, the play received readings at the Traverse Theater in Edinburgh, Mark Tate Performing Theater New Work Festival in Los Angeles, 
near George's Theatre in New York City, and King's Head Theatre in London. A significant part of this play's development is due to a workshop at the Playwright Center of Minneapolis's Play Labs. Uh, under the direction of Neil Keller, where the dramaturg was Anne Garcia Romero. The play was presented at the Key West Theater Festival in Key West, Florida, um, where one of the actors in the play uh, has since gone on to become quite famous. His name is Oscar Isaac. So Oscar Isaac was in my play, Particle Kiss, uh, when Oscar was in Miami, living in Miami, um, and had not gone to Juilliard yet, <laughs> um, but had a lot of buzz about him um, already. Um, the, the director of the workshop uh, the Key West Theater Festival um, kept telling me, this kid, everybody's talking about him. He's amazing. He's so talented. He had to cast them. So anyway, so Oscar Isaac was in my play. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll do my work again. Um, and, uh, and he was actually really great in it. Very funny and uh, really sharp and just exciting performer, always. Um, so, so I'm going to... I'm going to probably try to think what's the best place to start from in this play. I'm going to read from a, from a couple of sections of it and then just to give you an idea of it. Uh, so this is the opening. Uh, part one, passage, scene one, invocation, Santiago. Marcela is standing on a slim board in the middle of the ocean. She begins to sing in Spanish. Voy pa Santiago, pa Santiago me voy. I'm going to Santiago, to Santiago I go. Cause I don't wanna be here in this country. I don't want to be here in this city, in these mountains, in this land. I don't know. I'm going to Santiago, to Cuba. I go back to Santiago, the land I call home, sky of silver, hangs over a tobacco slum. I dream of Santiago, and a child drowning in the sun, with copper coins in the mouth and hot burns beating, cigar paper hands that won't stop bleeding. I dream of Santiago, and it's trembling shore under an umbrella of stars that leaves me hungry for more on a dark ocean beneath the moon's glow the lights of santiago call me back home but i cannot go back to my country no i cannot go back to my city to my Sierra, to the land that I know, I dream of Santiago. As it fades into the void on a boat of black water, let my heart 
be destroyed. A shivering of stars. Gar. So that's the opening of the play. Uh, I'm going to scoot forward and just give you another taste of it. Uh, the play is divided into sections where there's these kind of uh, moments of song, uh, almost like functioning, like prologues and intervals. And then there are scenes where Marcela, uh, the play is structured as a pilgrimage, where Marcela um, meets uh, different uh, migrants along the way. So I'm going to give you, this is from, just looking at this, yeah. I'm going to give you a, a monologue from the, the sort of from the first scene. So after this, what you just heard, um, she's talking to a character named Ignacio, who uh, is from Spain. Uh, so one of the things that I'll tell you about this play is that it's structured around different Santiago's. So um, with Santiago de Compostela in Spain being one Santiago, there's Santiago de Chile in it. Um, Santiago de Cuba, et cetera, right? So uh, Marcela is meeting uh, people from the different Santiago's of the Americas uh, and Iberia. So in this first scene, Ignacio, who's a very, uh, uh, not a nice person, <laughs> but in any case, uh, he's just doing what he can. Um, in any case, um, Ask Ignacio asked Maricela, how did she get how did she get to the States? Um, and so this is a description of of uh, Maricela on the raft, basically. So so here's the monologue of them. There were five of us: a plumber, a factory worker, a mother, her child, and myself. No one else. Only sea and sky. We had food and water for two days. All we had for power was oars. We took turns rowing. We would row for eight hours and stop. If we were lucky, a current would catch us and we could rest our arms. After two days, there was only a bit of water left. Drinking water, that is. We hadn't spotted a plane or a fishing boat anywhere that could save us. We bobbed in the waves, tired of rowing, and watched the sharks swim past. We started praying. The child fed on his mother's dry tit, and the plumber screamed. He screamed of fire, snow, and of a head full of shit. He screamed so much he couldn't get a word out. After a while, his eyes became fixed like glass. He was staring at nothing, but he was still alive. The factory worker grabbed the child and began to strangle it with its large hands. The mother looked at him with a half-bent smile, and offered the factory worker her tip to suck. The plumber kept staring. I looked at the sky. It was of a deep, penetrating blue, and as it grew dark, I thought I could see five moons lit up at different points in the sky, creating a path of light. And I thought of my Santiago. Now it would shine at night. Wipa Santiago. The sky turned black for an instant, and the boat swayed. I looked up again at the sky. I looked for a plane that would see us and not take aim as we kept bobbing in the waves. But there was nothing, only sky. 
I began to cast my eyes down as a factory worker tied the mother's mouth with kisses. But a child hung between them like a doll, grown limp and forgotten. The plumber stared and kept staring. His eyes were now fixed on my suitcase. I could feel the plywood and ropes tying this mess of a boat give out under the weight of the sea. That's when he fell, the staring man, straight into the water, straight down. And we all looked up for a moment, catching our breath as the wind spit on the breeze. Factory worker let go of the mother and started cursing. Go on, you gotta, oh man. Go on, you gotta. Go on, you gotta. Mother looked at me. She clutched my arm, digging her nails into my skin. The dead child between us. Both. I think. I could only look up and keep looking. And just as my eyes were beginning to burn from the heat of the sun and the sting of the air, I saw a plane. A small plane flying out from under some wrecking clouds. And then I waved with my free arm and yelled with my harsh throat. And then we all started waving like featherless birds, waving and yelling with our mouths dry as rags and our brains drunk from the sun. Bread, ice, Santiago. The plane touched close, hot metal. And slowly it lifted us up into the chill of the air. And we trembled and held our breath, kissed, kissed all that was alive in us. It was then that I felt I could really look straight ahead without fear of what would find me. For I was safe in the belly of that plane, and I knew Earth's will had been done. Whatever else would come to me, I would no longer be at the waters torturous mercy. And that's from Prodigal Kiss, a play with songs. Um, I could probably read more from Prodigal Kiss. Maybe I will in the next episode, uh, but that's enough for today. Um, oh, this play. Uh, every time I read it, I cry. <laughs> Um, because, uh, yeah, it's one of those things, you know, some plays you feel, you know, it's funny writing some plays you're like, yes, this needs to be seen. And you just know that you've hit a nerve and it's very strong. And, and then when it's not seen, um, really, not really, um, just kind of disappears, you know what I mean? But you're left with this terrible, terrible um heartbreak heartache you know it's just uh envelops you there are other plays you write them and you're like la 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 <laughs> you know and maybe that's what people mean when they say you know or do you pick your favorites when you write it's not that you pick them i think it's more like there's some pieces that are like milestones in your writing life and um but also they're they they're kind of very centered they sort of are the thing right um, and this play is that, the, this play is the thing, you know, this is like, of, of the plays of this part of my writing life, you know, I would say, uh, I wrote this play right after 
that was after a kind of a dry spell that I had, but um, I would put it up there with Alchemy of Desire, Dead Man's Blues. You know, it's part of that same couple of years, um, very early part of my work actually. But uh, this this play is sort of the kind of the synthesis and, and culmination of that part of my work. Um, there's another play that's sort of hidden too, much more hidden than this one, the play of Michael Pensacola, which I probably will read from uh, uh, at some point on the podcast, um, which also has this place where um, it feels like something was cracking open in the writing and really kind of becoming centered. Um, the play that sort of starts the next phase of my writing after Particle Kiss is a play called Steel Backlight in the Virtual. Another play that's never been produced. <laughs> um, that's also been like uh, published and, and written about and it's had a number, like tons of development and like, um, and every time I've had a reading of it, people go like, oh my God, this play is amazing, right? And, uh, and then nothing happens with it. So uh, I've had like a number of heartbreaks <laughs> in my writing life, very significant ones, including, I was just thinking today before I came on the podcast about, there's a couple of plays of mine, Tropic of X, Magnificent Waste. I can name both of those quite readily. Both of those plays, I had to wait 10 years before they were ever produced. Um, and they were like completely like, if they had been produced at the time when I wrote them, they would have changed my life, you know? And and they just didn't. They were like developed, they read readings, and, yeah, and then they just, you know, and then 10 years later they surfaced. Um, uh, in unexpected places. <laughs> um, Iphigenia Clarishan's Crashland Falls is a play that took five years to get to production. But the, t the 10 years, I have to say, those two, those two plays, Magnificent Waste and Tropic of X, both took 10 years to go to production. And uh, yeah, at a certain point, I was just like, okay, this is some of my best work. It's I'm never going to happen. So, and Particle Kiss holds that space because it, even though it had that uh, bare bone staging at the Key West Theater Festival, uh, it didn't. It never had a full production with like full design and like you know all all the all the works. Um, and so, yeah, and it's never even been done in colleges. You know, it's a four-hander. So I thought maybe colleges will do it. No, it's not even been done in colleges. Wah! Okay, so I'm crying. Um, so, yeah, so, yeah, so it's uh, this one, this one, you know, big piece of my heart. What can we do? Maybe one day. Maybe not. Um, okay. In any case, uh, this is today's episode. Whoever is out there, as always, this is about you and I in this theater. You there in the dark and I here wondering who you are. Thanks for listening today for night. <laughs>